is the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. Live from Gameworks at Newport on the Levee. Now alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, here's your host, Nick Broker. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's a Monday night. Our final two shows of the 2011 and 12 regular season are upon us. Glad you're with us with the head coach of the Cyclones. I'm Nick Brunker. Rob Roberts has the night off, and we also have a special guest with us. No players tonight, but rather former NHL legend, if you will, Andrew Castles in the house. He'll be with us as the hour moves through a perfect night to ask questions of either the coach or the assistant coach about anything hockey-related, Cyclones-related, or maybe life-related. Who knows? He has all the answers tonight. (laughs) Give it up for the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, back again with us. And I guess... uh, First and foremost, we have to recap the trip. It was a, a, certainly a rough one. Give us your assessment, the whole trip as a whole. Um, as a whole, it sucked. Um, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, it was disappointing. Obviously, we knew we were going in a tough situation, and a lot of times you compare last year to this year, and what did we go, 6-1-1 one, and one down there last year? Yeah, it was, it was a great trip. The weather was good. The hotel was great. The, 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 the waitress at the restaurant was perfect. It was just nothing <laughs> could go wrong, you know, but... Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was tough. I mean, I thought uh, the, the first game in Gwinnett, I thought we played very well. I thought for a, a period and a half, I thought we were a better, better team. Um, you know, we lost hockey. You know, the next night we uh, we go into South Carolina, uh, 1-1 in the third. A little bit of a controversial second goal. Um, still not sure the, the whether it was in or not, but, you know, that's just the way it goes. And, um, you know, we were 0-2 on the trip, and I thought our third game there was really not our best effort, which was very disappointing. Uh, uh, you know, we met and we, we, we discussed a lot of things. And, and one thing when, you're, when you've lost a couple games in this time of year, you can't keep meeting. You can't have meetings, meetings upon meetings. They, they just lose their effect and stuff. But I thought we had a very productive meeting. And, and we played probably one of our best games, the 6-3 game in Gwinnett. I thought that was one yeah. of our best hockey games of the year. And, uh, you know, how do you explain in three games we score two goals and then we get six and one, you know. So, yeah. um, you know, that, that, was a, that was a positive. And then, you know, going to South Carolina for the second time, um, you know, we were, we gave ourselves an opportunity, but not quite, uh, uh, you know, it wasn't enough to win a hockey game. And I felt last night or yesterday afternoon in Greenville, you know, we came out hard. We, 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 we pressured them. I thought we did a lot of good things, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't win a hockey game. So overall, yeah, when you go one, one and five on a road trip at this time of year, it's very disappointing. It's frustrating. It's, uh, um, you know, all those emotions, myself, the players and, and the fans have, you know, it's, uh, it's a, it was a tough trip, but uh, at the end of the day, we caught a break over the last two days with Chicago only getting one point last night with Reading losing, and, uh, you know, we find ourselves here on uh, this Monday with a three-way tie for eighth mm-hmm. place, so uh, it's, it, it's exciting, you know. I mean, there's only one way to look at this thing. It's not what we could have done, what we, what we didn't do, what we, uh, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. The case is, is that We've got seven games and we're a three-way tie for eighth place. And uh, uh, this is a, in a week and a half here to get this thing done. And uh, from a player's standpoint, from our standpoint, inside that locker room, embrace this opportunity, embrace this challenge. And, uh, of course, now more than ever, home ice advantage is huge. Four out of your next seven, your last seven of the regular season at U.S. Bank Arena beginning Wednesday. So I know the guy's excited to be back home, although it was a late arrival last night in around 2.15, 2.30 at the rink and then back up to to Northlands where the guys were parked uh, uh, for the road trip. This is a team now that gets back to a place they've been as successful as any team. In fact, they're the fourth best home team of any of the 20 ECHL teams. So uh, you come back home, although you still have some work to do on the road with three more, an opportunity to kind of harness where you've been successful. And at this time of year, 
despite that long, long stretch away in the first two weeks of March, it's time to put up or shut up, essentially. Well, absolutely. We were in control of our destiny. I mean, uh, you know, if we, we can't take care of business against Chicago and, uh, you know, into Kalamazoo and stuff like that, then, you know, we don't deserve to be there. Yeah. I, it, it's a case of, um, you know, we're, we are – all three teams have an opportunity, uh, you know, uh, Chicago, Reading, ourselves. And, and let's not forget that, you know, Florida and, and uh, also Wheeling and South Carolina, I mean, these are teams that – you know, this league has such swings. It's, uh, you know, you lose three in a row and someone else wins three in a row. I mean, that's a six-point swing. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, so much is going to happen over the next seven games. You know, so much can happen and so much is going to happen. There's going to be so many highs and lows. And, you know, we might win three in a row and Reading wins three in a row. Or, you know, you, it's, it's just uh, it's, it's a crazy time of year. And the message I've told our players, I said, you know, hockey's designed this way. I mean, take a look at the National Hockey League standings. And, and look at teams fighting for their lives, you know, and, and good teams. There's good hockey teams fighting for their lives right now in the National Hockey League. Look at the American Hockey League, the Western Division, from 3 to 11. Anybody could be out of the playoffs, you know, and, and, and that's the way it is with the way the playoffs is set up. And, and you know, we've talked about it before. Would I, would I rather be 15 points, 20 points ahead of where we are? Absolutely. We could all be sitting here backslapping each other, telling them about how great we are and can't wait for this and that. And, you know, the fact of the matter, hockey is uh, hockey's designed this way and, and every league in the world, or uh, at least in North America, I should say, with the National Hockey League, the American League, and the ECHL, is that there's competition and everybody's going to fight for every single game and right down to the last game of the season. And, and as players uh, embrace it, as coaches, we need to embrace it, as fans embrace it. This is exciting. You know, I mean... You know, we, we obviously there's a history here of teams that have, have done very well and have, have, you know, done some great things and stuff like that. And this is a new challenge. This is a new chapter, a new challenge. And uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. We're embracing it. I can't wait to get to the rink tomorrow morning, have practice, and uh, get, ex get ready for Wednesday and take it day by day. Something can be said about this time of year where you have to be playing your best hockey. And as much as you can look back, like you say, you don't want to do that at the last six games or seven games, whatever it has been. Uh, you have a chance now in the final seven games of the year to really pick up that momentum, fight like you're going to have to fight every single day of the postseason. Of course, if you can get there, that's the type of hockey to fight to get in is one thing, but to have that fighting spirit with that in mind, if you're going to get in, it's because you fought all the way to the end and got in. That's a good type of hockey to be playing going into the postseason. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, Wednesday's a playoff uh, atmosphere, and, uh, you know, you look at the Philadelphia Flyers uh, a couple of years ago, they, they got in on a shootout. Uh, Brian Boucher stops the last puck on a shootout. They get into the playoffs and go to the Stanley Cup Finals. So uh, it's not about how you got in. It's about getting in. That's all that matters. It, it really that is the only thing that matters is getting into the playoffs, not how you got in and, 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 and this and that. It, it's about getting in the playoffs and then going from there because as you guys have seen over the years, your lineup can change throughout the playoffs. Your, the, your strength of your lineup can get better as the playoffs go along. So it's a matter about getting that, um, whether it's the eight, seven, six, whatever seed it is. And, and, and you never know, uh, you know, with Kalamazoo. I mean, they're, uh, they're a team that's, uh, that's had a good regular season. They're not playing their best hockey right now. You string three, four, five games together, you know, there's still that third seed possibility, not something that, uh, 
we're, we're, not, we're open to anyone. We're open to the th third seed, the eighth seed, or the seventh <laughs> seed. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of getting a win on Wednesday night. That's the focus. We'll take your questions tonight. Of course, we have our live mic. Since Rob is not here, you're going to have to take it and then flip the switch to get it started. Mike will be with us, and he will have our first question of the night, and then we'll look back at a couple of details from the week that was. Mike, go ahead. Nick, Coach, um, my question is, you, you didn't mention injuries. How, how's uh, Liambas and some of these guys, what's going on? All right, well, Mike Liambas is done for the season. Uh, he had finger surgery, he had shoulder surgery all at the same time. So Mike Liambas won't be available. Chris Reed is pretty much uh, uh, going to be done for the season. Uh, Garrett Suter is going to skate this week. Uh, hopefully he's available for the weekend. Uh, besides that, um, you know, we have some bumps and bruises. Jonathan Hayes and Byron Elliott, who, you know, a new guy that uh, has played six games for us. He had a shoulder, uh, you know, uh, just a sore shoulder uh, in the South Carolina game. But, you know, we just got some bumps and bruises. And, uh, but besides that, Liamis and Reed, well, you won't see them again the rest of the season. Uh, those are the two guys on the, the, that are done for the regular season. Interesting roster note that had taken place over the last, I'd say, what, 48, 72 hours before the, the true reality set in for one Devin Didi While we were on the road trip, he was suspended, A, indefinitely. Then, B, they announced it was a seven-game suspension. And that same day, within the hour, I think, it was announced that Chicago had released him. Within the next day, your buddy out in Ontario uh, picked him up. Do you have any knowledge about what went down with that after having maybe spoken to some people, looked into the, the situation further than, than we have? Uh, I, was, I was wanted to call Jason Christie and find out what his reasoning was for, first of all, picking him up, and second of all, why releasing him after flying him all the way out there and right. then releasing him. And I, I think we can assume, uh, you know, why he released him after meeting him. Um, that was probably <laughs> enough to send him back. Uh, Anyways, I, I don't. I really don't know the situation. I, I thought it peculiar that you're a guy suspended and you're able to release him. You know, yeah. and that was my call. To the league was like, you know, if one of our ever guys ever got suspended, am I able to release him? Not because uh, I just think that you know he, you should be obligated to that player. You yeah. know, whatever he did while on your watch, you should be obligated to him. So um, I'm not quite sure, but uh, in the in the truth, I was talking to. Uh, some, some people before, I, I think Chicago's a better team without him. I, I wish he was still there. I think that would be a better better scenario for us playing them three times because he's such a distraction uh, um, to their hockey team and, yeah. and, 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 and us too. I mean, he is a distraction out there, but as long as we control our emotions, I think he's more of a benefit uh, playing against them than not having him there. From a matchup standpoint, they're also going to be without Tyler Donati. Speaking of Chicago, he's on the 21-day IR. So another one of those notes where on one end it's great because he's one of their best scorers. But as we've seen over the last couple of days, just checking the scoreboard, that doesn't mean they can't win hockey games because they have. Does that change the mentality going in? Does that make sure your message is that you can't take them lightly because they have guys that still can't put the puck in the net? No, absolutely. I mean, they've, they've got a very good lineup. You know, with, with you know Chaz Johnson, when he decides to play, he's a very good player. He's a very physical player. And, yep. uh, you know, full bear. And they've, they've got enough guys there, Gratchev, offensively to do things. I think their defense picking up that, picking up that Ellington from Kalamazoo in an NHL trade with Vancouver – was a big pickup for mm -hmm. them, and you know, with Campbell and Waiteka, I mean, they've got good, uh, good uh, defense. And then they—it's they, amazing—they pick up a goalie out of college that's uh, they've been running with that's done a great job. So, uh, you know, we don't take anybody lightly. There's no no opportunity for this hockey club to take anybody lightly. And uh, um, you know, we're just excited. I mean, this is an exciting time of year for for everybody. And uh, 
um, you know, we're going to get on the ice. We'll have a good practice tomorrow and uh, look forward to Chicago Wednesday. Let's bring it back to Cincinnati for a bit. You talk about how close the American League teams are in the, in the Western Conference. How does that affect Cincinnati going forward? Because we know going to the final two weeks of their season, they are fighting for every last point. They're probably not going to do a whole lot of calling up, but in terms of sending players to get onto the Cyclones playoff roster, which has to be in on the first Monday after the, the season ends, which is uh, April the 2nd, what does that mean for what this team is going to have down the, the next two weeks? Well, I think the, the, the big decisions will be made April 2nd. Obviously, our focus is getting in the playoffs, and then from that point, April 2nd, figuring out who potentially could be on our playoff roster. And, you know, just, uh, you know, with Milwaukee fighting for a playoff spot, San Antonio fighting for a playoff spot, you know, we got to factor in guys that we could potentially see, maybe not right away in the first round, but maybe in the latter stages or the second round, you know, and, um, you know, you got to field your, your, your best team first in the first round. I mean, you've got to make yep. sure you have the horses uh, to compete in the first round. But, you know, you look at a, from a Milwaukee standpoint, a Joel Champagne, a, a Jeff Foss, or two guys that definitely will make our playoff roster. Uh, from San Antonio standpoint, you know, uh, Justin Vive, you know, he's a guy that will be on our playoff roster. And then, um, you know, a, a Keith Seabrook, who needs one more game with us to be eligible for our playoff roster, which... Uh, we've been trying for two, three weeks now to get uh, Key Seabrook here for one game uh, just to be eligible. So, I, and those are things too that, you know, a Seabrook might come down for one game and then we determine on April 2nd that, you know what, we're better off going with uh, somebody else. So it's a matter of just, uh, um, you know, first of all, getting there and then second of all, figuring out uh, where these teams stand, especially Milwaukee being five points out of a playoff spot right yeah. now. Um, you know, which guys that we potentially could. There's Ben Ryan that has eligibility to come play for us. But, um, you know, I think Joel Champagne and Jeff Foss would be two huge uh, 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 add-ons for us uh, definitely at some point. Uh, you think about where this team has been roster-wise throughout the course of the year. It seems like now you're getting guys to fill the, the voids you've had. You talk about the, the depletion on defense, and yes, you still are without Garrett Suter. Of course, Mike Leambus, as you just mentioned, out for the season. Uh, it's been an opportunity for guys that may not have otherwise expected to be uh, role players on this team to step up. Now, going into the year, Dan Eves was a guy forward-wise that was expected to be a leader, was expected to be a role player, kind of fell out of that role, if you will, in the first maybe month and a half, two months of the season. Yet here in the second half, he's kind of the, the poster child for that opportunity, sees it, and go be a good hockey player. He's as good as it gets right now for this team, isn't he? Absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's what a pro's all about is, um, you know, and I've talked to Dan. I talked to the team about it, and, and you know, you, you see a lot of slogans. You see a lot of T-shirts made, you know, uh, earn, not given, and stuff like that. Well, you know what? At this level, sometimes you've got prospects, you got guys that are going to come down here in October, November, and December, and they're going to get ice time. You know, they're here to develop. They're here to play. And, uh, you know, and that was the case. I mean, there's no question. I've talked to Dan Eves about it, and he ended up being the odd guy out many nights that uh, certain guys were going to get ice time ahead of them, and it wasn't earned, it was given. And, uh, you know, we, you hit a point in the season where, uh, you know, you need to put your best line up. You need to put your best players out there. And uh, Dan Eves, uh, you know, took advantage of that situation. And he uh, uh, put him on a top line, gave him, you know, good ice time, and he just ran with it. Now, mm -hmm. you know, I, I can't say enough where 
about Dan Eve's character, about Dan Eve's uh, attitude, about the way he's performed for this hockey team and uh, all the things that he's done. The other guy who has been really, uh, and for me, very impressive to watch is rookie David McDonald, a defenseman who comes in. And although I guarantee you you're going to probably have things to, to work with him on, like any rookie, from a physicality standpoint, he has really held his own, gotten a fight with Jordan Foreman and Gwinnett. He's not afraid of going into what you call the dirty areas. Address maybe him as well as the, your, your newcomers, Matt Carter and others. I think uh, David McDonald, I think, is a guy that, uh, you know, fans are going to love to see. I mean, he's a, he's a mature guy. He's 25 years old that, uh, you know, decided to go to the college route in, in Canada and spent four years at St. Mary's, decided to get his master's for one more year at Dalhousie and uh, wants to turn pro. He jumped right in our lineup, uh, in our locker room, seamlessly. You know, a guy that's just a quality person and a, uh, a guy that's been around hockey that understands and uh He's been great. Uh, David McDonald is a guy that's physical. He can move the puck. He's got an offensive upside, but also he can battle with the best of them. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to keep getting him in the lineup and keep giving him more and more ice time. And then, uh, you know, Matt Carter, who's had a great uh, career at the University of Prince Edward Island, um, you know, he scored a couple goals for us. I think, Matt, one thing we got to get him up to speed on uh, just the, the quickness, the speed, and the battle level. The, the one thing about hockey nowadays, and, and I've had the opportunity to play in many countries around the world, is that, you know, you just can't show up and just, uh, you know, put your stick on the ice and expect it to be easy. You have to compete at every level, mm -hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, one thing that Matt's going to have to understand is that, you know, you've got to work for everything you get. And at the ECHL level, there's extremely talented players at this level, but you've got to work and work and work to be successful. Okay. The other point of emphasis that you and I have touched on this show, pro probably every week actually, is goaltending. And we've had the, uh, different conversations regarding who that goalie is going to be down the stretch. Is it going to be Chad? Is it going to be Brian? Certainly the, the idea in the first half of the year, Foster would be the guy you ride. Now all of a sudden, a new Chet Pickard has risen with not only just a strong mental character, but he's out there making plays. He's vocal. He's a different goaltender than he was a month ago or even maybe three weeks ago. It's nice for you, I would imagine, going into this stretch, knowing you're going to have to have a guy who, who is going to be your starter, but at the same time, have a guy like Chet or like Foster, we don't really know at this point, that's going to be able to shoulder the load if necessary. Well, I tell you, uh, Chet's uh, the last couple of weeks, last three weeks, and I know, uh, you know, he hasn't uh, necessarily maybe found the win or whatever. But I mean, even last, yesterday afternoon in Greenville, I thought Chet played one of his best games of uh, of the year. I know yeah. it's a it's a five one loss, and you know, one's an empty netter, and one still made forty saves. He was uh, Chet was absolutely spectacular yesterday. I mean, I thought that was one of the best games I saw Chet Pickard play, and um, you know, obviously at this time of year, we're looking for results. But, um, you know, I, I really like the way Chet's played. And I think Brian, uh, you know, Fozzie's, uh, he's been victim to a few goal or two a game that we're not accustomed to him letting in, which, we're, we, which we saw last year where he was just lights out down this stretch. So, you know, we've got to figure this out. Uh, they got to figure it out. Uh, who's going to be our goalie uh, as we go along here? And if we need two, we need two. If we need one, then we'll ride one. So... It's a situation where uh, we'll make a decision tomorrow on who starts Wednesday uh, at home 
and then we'll go from there. It really seems to be a, a game-by-game basis. I know that's something we've both of us have touched on uh, throughout the course of our pregame shows and our pregame chats on the Cyclones Radio Network. It, it, it's a mentality that I think sometimes is easier said than done, especially with a young group. What kind of things can you say and talk to your team about pregame or maybe even during practice to make sure they're staying on that path of we got to focus on tonight and not tomorrow, not look back, not scoreboard watch. This is a tough time of year for a young team in that regard. How have you handled it? Well, the first thing that I stress to our players is that this is the time of the year you're going to be evaluated at. Not, you know, when the season's over, whatever happens, whatever happens this season, uh, when it comes time to evaluation, you're going to be evaluated on March and April and beyond. And, uh, you know, when you talk, whether you're an affiliated player with the National Hockey League, you know, we're not going to be talking about that great October you had or that great November you had. We're going to be talking about what happened in March. You know, uh, and, 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 and I can't stress enough to these guys that this is the time you get evaluated on. Whether you want a, a contract back here in Cincinnati or you want a contract somewhere else, this is where you're evaluated. When another coach calls me about a player that was on our team, this is what I'm going to talk about, March. Not, geez, he was terrific in April, or sorry, October. And from the affiliate standpoint, too, it comes down to, you know, where was he in March? I mean, what kind of character guy do we have on a three-year contract here and stuff? So, you know, that, that's been stressed over and over that these guys, the importance of this time of year, first of all, from our franchise, you know, to, to have success from our fan base, from, you know, the players to the coaching staff to a lot of these guys' futures is based on here in March and what we do here down the stretch. We have plenty more to get to on this episode of the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. Coming up next, we'll be joined by the Cyclones assistant coach, Andrew Castles. He'll be with us right after this on the Cyclones Radio Network. This is the Cyclones Radio Network. We are back live at GameWorks in Newport on the Levee. Glad you're with us on this Monday night. One more show after tonight. It'll be next Monday at 7 o'clock. We hope you're with us. The season finale, if you will of our Coors Light Jared Scaldi shows will be tomorrow here at GameWorks in Newport. Joined now by a man who has uh, had certainly a full slew of, of great bullet points to highlight his career, perhaps none greater than the fact he is my roommate on the road, the assistant coach of the Cyclones, the man who has more than 1,000 NHL games. He has played with, among other teams, Washington and most recently the Columbus Blue Jackets. Please welcome Andrew Castles. Welcome in. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for being with us. Uh, I guess tell us about the the come to Cincinnati, the the join forces with Coach Scaldi that you had was actually 12 months ago in a sense. You met with him in, what was it, September, October of last year. It didn't work out last season. You're here now. Take us back to then and bring us forward to, to the present time. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I never really had met Jared um, beforehand but played against him quite a bit in junior and you know obviously we know each other uh, just from playing against each other and I uh, heard there was an opening for a job uh, assistant coach in Cincinnati and got his phone number off Chris McFarland of the Columbus Blue Jackets and I had called him and he had just hired uh, his assistant coach from last year Scott so didn't work out last year uh, but still asked him if I could come down and uh, work training camp with them and and kind of get a little bit of experience through that. And then this year, uh, called him back in the summer and asked him if he was happy with his assistant coach. And he had informed me that he had just released him. So I asked if I could interview for the job. And he said, no problem. When do you want to come? I said, I could be there in two hours. <laughs> so I drove down that day and we met uh, for a few hours, talked. And, um, you know, he talked uh, to KP and, and then called me that night and 
ever since then we've been together. And now when it comes to your situation, and by the way, the audio in here is fluctuating. We, we realize that they're working on it. So if you have problems hearing, they are working on it. So hopefully by the end of the show, it will be, uh, it'll be rectified. Uh, anyway, getting back to the hockey s- side of things, it's a, a situation I think for every player at any point in time in their careers, whether they made it as high as you did in the NHL and played a lot of time regularly up there or even played in the American League, th- there comes a point where some players, I would imagine, make that decision in their own mind if they want to coach, if they want to stay in the game in that regard, or if they'd rather take the broadcast route or they'd rather take the GM route. There are a lot of different paths that hockey players have taken over the years. What got you into coaching? At what point did you realize this is what I want to do? I think after I retired, um, you know, obviously you want to take a year or two off to, to let your body heal. And I started coaching my son's uh, minor hockey league team. And, and I found a new passion that I actually fell in love with right away, that uh, you're still involved in the game and you could compete uh, at a different level, but still be a part of the game. And after four or five years with younger kids, you, you can only do so much with them. And yeah then you realize that you really want to do some more with some older kids and and give what you know, um, teach them, and hopefully they become uh, NHL players one day also. Let's talk about your son. He's playing in Oshawa right now in the OHL. Certainly a a proud moment for you, I would imagine, to watch him. And now with the the, uh, the newfangled thing they call the Internet, it's a fad for now, but for now it gives you a chance to watch him uh, over the Internet, which is nice, I know, for you traveling around, even though you can't maybe make it to all the games, especially now that you're coaching. It's still nice to see him. How's he doing? Yeah, no, it's great. Um, you know, especially when we're on the bus. Uh, I try to watch him when we're on the bus. Um, and any time I get a chance, uh, you know, I don't get to see him very much. I think I've seen him twice this year. And, you know, when he's 16 and he moves away from home, it's uh, now I know what my parents went through when I moved away. So, But he lives with a great family. And uh, I would say he couldn't be in a better place uh, than Oshawa. Obviously, Scald's old uh, junior team and my arch rival yeah. when I was playing. But uh, it's a great organization that he's in. Uh, Jared can testify to that. Um, so I couldn't be happier for him. And, you know, he's obviously following his dream. That That's what he wants to do. And I support him fully in it. You've had so, so many highlights in your career. Uh, is there something in your mind that stands out more significantly than the others? I think probably playing my first NHL game. Um, I got called up from the minors. And it was only an hour and a half from Sherbrooke to Montreal. So I drove. And then informed my parents that I was going to be playing my first NHL game there in Toronto and they jumped on a train and then on a bus uh, and made it to my first NHL game and my mom didn't really watch me play minor hockey and didn't I don't think she watched me play more than two or three games junior so I would say maybe a handful of NHL games that she got to but she got to the first one and you know it was a I think it was a very proud moment for my parents to just to, to share that moment with me well think about it now where where you are getting a chance to watch your son generationally moving through it, do you think that the way the game is is changing is better suited for certain types of players now versus when you played? Because everybody, you know, I'm assuming Cole has similar tendencies that you do. He, he kind of followed your career and, and watched you grow up and obviously was around the game a lot. Does he play like you played or does he have another different style with how he's been coached? I, he, he does do a lot of similar things. Um, I think he plays with a lot more edge than I did. Um, not that I didn't compete hard, but he tends to really enjoy hitting and fighting, <laughs> um, which it seems uh-huh. like a lot of kids do nowadays uh, when they're playing hockey. But he has, uh, I think he's got a little bit more grit than me. Um, you know, he's got playmaking skills like I do. He doesn't shoot the puck enough like I never did. But, um, you know, that's not a bad thing. He's not a selfish player at all. But he's got more grit than me, and I think that's 
something in today's game that you definitely need to have is that edge to play. Now, getting back as a coach now, you're, you're in this mix for the first time, your first professional coaching job here. Is there something or maybe a, a list of things that are different, not necessarily bad, but just different than what you would have expected as you were a player on the other side of the coaching realm, just being coached? Now that you're, you are a coach, is there something different maybe that you, you respect more now than you didn't back then? I definitely, I, I never knew how the ECHL worked uh, <laughs> back when I played. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's tough. I, I don't think a lot of people really understand that you go through a lot of different players and, you know, you're trying to get a power play together and you work on it all week and then all of a sudden two or three guys are gone on Friday that you worked uh, all week on and now you got to work around that and it's just tougher that way because you can't build a team with 20 guys like, from the NHL, yeah. you're, you're really trying to fill holes sometimes, and it's extremely tough. I imagine, too, if you're, you're putting your systems in place, and obviously your specialty teams have been, have been doing very well this season, especially your penalty kill. It's a matter now where you've got guys that you, you want them to do certain things, but at the same time, I imagine it's been a learning curve in a sense of you watching what they have tools-wise, what they can accomplish, what they can't, and you've had to adjust things on the fly in that regard, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, we can, you know, it just depends who's out there that <laughs> night. That uh, it might be one breakout one night. It might be a breakout uh, a different night. Or we might set up on the other side a different night, depending on personnel. And it's uh, it's a challenge sometimes. And, you know, me and uh, Scalds talk about it all the time. Okay, you know, we got to move a couple guys around. Mm -hmm. And it's it's definitely tricky. <laughs> What's been your favorite part about this whole process? It's It's new still. You're in your first year. What's been your favorite part as we are almost at the end of the regular year? I mean, I, I've enjoyed the entire season. Um, you know, I wish, uh, one thing I do wish, and I apologize to you guys, uh, as booster clubs, that I could have been at more events. Um, you know, living in Columbus and commuting, it's been, uh, I love spending time with my family. And, you know, I have three kids at home. One's moved away, obviously, but I do love spending time with my family. And, I've missed some events here with you guys, and I know that um, my house is for sale. I plan on moving down to Cincinnati, um, so I wish I could have been at more events. But the other side of it, I think uh, just really getting to know Jared a little bit more um, and his philosophy on coaching, and we seem to have a lot of same mindsets and tendencies that uh, I'm thinking one thing, and he's about to say it, and we both look at each other and say, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. So it's... Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and it's just it's great to be back around the pro game again. Don't forget, you can ask the questions, uh, any questions you have to Coach Castles or Coach Scaldi as we move through the hour. We have about 25 minutes of show left, so don't be shy. Come up and grab the mic if you have a question for the coach. I know uh, I fielded one off the air earlier that I'll get to now about you being in Columbus, and, and obviously the Jackets have had uh, a lot of players come in and out of that city, you being one of them. Uh, are there a lot of uh, former players that are still in that area living like you are? Uh, there's a few. Uh, Freddie Modine still lives in my neighborhood. Uh, Jody Shelley comes back every summer and just lives around the corner, too. Um, other than that, I don't think there's uh, too many players, you know, that uh, they don't really have an alumni, um, which I've thought of trying to start, but that uh, <laughs> takes a lot of work and time, too, that uh, if you're coaching and doing something, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to do that also. Okay, w with that in mind, let's – Think about how the NHL is now. 
you have another lockout looming potentially. You played through that whole mess back in the early 2000s. It, you've heard all the rumors that are going on around right now, all the movements of teams, of course, Winnipeg uh, coming from Atlanta, where we just were at their old practice facility down there in Gwinnett. Uh, obviously, there's the Phoenix debacle going on right now. The question marks are surrounding what's going to happen this offseason with the NHL. Somebody who's been directly connected to it for such a long time, where do you see it going this offseason? Do you think it really could happen again? Sadly enough, I think it could. Um, you know, I think when they implemented the salary cap, I think it was a good thing. I mean, as a player, you never wanted it, but I think it was a good thing. I think uh, all the teams are so even right now that it's uh, it, like Jared was talking about, playoff races, that's what you want uh, yeah. down the stretch. And uh, I, think, I think the big situation coming into the summer is going to be guaranteed contracts because there are so many guys that are making – an awful lot of money that are playing in the minors. Um, so I think they're going to try to go towards football and not mm-hmm. have guaranteed contracts, which I don't think that'll sit well with the players, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be, uh, that'll probably be one of the big subjects, I would think. We have more to get to with the head or the assistant coach of the Cyclones, Andrew Cassos. He'll be with us next. We'll take more of your questions. Be sure to come up and grab the live mic before we're done. Back in a moment on the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. This is CyclonesHockey.com. Back with the assistant coach of the Cyclones, Andrew Castles. I'm Nick Brunker on the Cyclones Radio Network on this Monday night. Two more shows to get to. This one, of course, the final 18 minutes of it. And then next week on Monday, the 26th, the last show of 2011 and 12. Mark your calendars. Be with us. I know most of you have all year long anyway, but we wish you uh, will be with us to, to close out the regular season with us here at GameWorks. Of course, Wednesday, Cyclones back on the ice against Chicago. 7.30 is the opening faceoff. Our broadcast will begin at 7.15. Dollar beers. Another wet Wednesday at U.S. Bank Arena coming up. All right, let's get back to the Cyclones here. Before we get into the details, we have questions, as, of course, we'll take them between now and the top. We have questions for you, Cass, from a couple people waiting in the crowd. You go ahead. Nick, Andrew, how you all doing? Good, sir. Good, thanks. Glad to have you back off the road. Same here. Andrew, what is one of your uh, memorable and proudest moments as an NHL player? Uh, I think. I mean, obviously, a long career. Um, and it's funny because me and Jared were talking about uh, this on the bus the other day when uh, you, know, you, you wanted to play 400 games so you could get your pension. <laughs> but uh, that was uh, kind of dissolved back in the old uh, one of the CBAs. So um, that was, uh, I think the first game was probably my biggest memory, like I said before, with uh, my parents being there and I actually got an opportunity to, score a goal on my first shot in my first game and my parents there to see it um but also being drafted i think was a proud moment um and that was just a start that at least that was the first step in trying to have a have a good career thank you for your question we have another one from mike mike you go ahead hello there you are uh i don't know if i'll get to do this next week but i was glad to have you here this evening coach and Chris Parsons, I'm sorry, Chris Parsons, and the whole Cyclone organization for the great trip you guys put together in Chicago. It was really special. You know, we, we had very little time to do anything except hockey, maybe Join the club in the morning with the players. You guys did a great job. I'm, I'm sure that it went well, and I'm sure we might be able to get that done next year. 
I'm sure uh, Parsons will be able to take care of that. He's, no problem. Or many more road trips uh, with the team. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a fun trip. And, you know, obviously we got to have breakfast with, uh, with some of you all. And it was uh, that was a lot of fun. And actually a bunch of players showed up too. So you guys got uh, <laughs> to see a whole bunch of people at that uh, breakfast. Yeah, that was a fun trip. But we're back home now. Cyclones are going to get on the uh, ice on Wednesday. We talk about this. is As we call, uh, talked with Coach Scaldi about this time of year, he, he – tells us how exciting it is and how fun it is you've been in your fair share of playoff runs over the years between your days in Vancouver and of course just uh, throughout your career playing wise this is a time of year that everybody looks forward to uh, is there anything somebody like yourself can say or do, do people come up to you players wise and and maybe pick your brain a bit at times when it comes to to maybe not even just the generals of, of playing the game but maybe some specifics about what they do yeah, obviously uh, different players come up to you and ask how they're doing and what they can do better. And, um, you know, obviously me and Jared talk quite a bit about, you know, each game, who played well, who didn't, who who did some things well and who did some things wrong. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we it's still about going out there and competing and working hard and having fun. Uh, we say that all the time, and that's what we ask our guys to do is go out and compete and work. Um, if we're competing and working, I think we're as good a team as anybody in this league. And uh, when you take nights off and don't compete and work, it, it shows in the uh, the outcome. So that's our, you know, we're stressing if we just work and compete every night, we're going to have a great opportunity. And you've had a situation now where uh, you've had so many different players back there with you. You coach the defense during the games. You've also had a chance to not only watch a whole bunch of different players come in come out get better get worse at times get better again but also you get to not only watch it on the bench and I know coach Scaldi does the same you guys both look at the video but you're the one after games that goes and cuts it up and provides clips and things so that when you get on the bus or we go into a team meeting that you guys have what you need and it's already pre-cut maybe you have five power plays in a night which has become more accustomed to lately than than recently uh but you have five or six power plays to look at. You've got to clip that yourself on a program known as Steva, which is, I know for me, being somewhat technically savvy, still somewhat confusing for somebody who may not be a technical guy like yourself, although you do have the iPad, so you, you are technically savvy in that sense. It's a learning process. How has that been for the course of the year, coming in, not really knowing anything about this program, and now having to use it practically every single day? Yeah, it's been... well. I have the original iPad, so it's kind of outdated <laughs> now, just so everybody knows that. It's not quite what they are now. But, um, no, it's been uh, – I mean, obviously, Nick has helped me quite a bit um, with the Steva. He says he doesn't know much, but I knew nothing when I first took the job about it. And we worked together on that, and, you know, we've kind of just spent some time. We're roommates, so it's great. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, uh, it's something that – you know, has become a big part of the game today is video. Um, a lot of players love it. A lot of players hate it. Mm -hmm. um, so you got to find that middle happy medium uh, for everybody. And it's definitely a learning tool. Um, and it's just, you know, if you can find one thing that's going to benefit the team to maybe have success that night, then it's well worth it. And yeah. if it's not, then even if it's a learning tool, for some players to see what they're not doing when we ask them to do it, yeah. the next night they're going to be able to do it. And that's the tough thing, too, in, in this league. And we've talked about it. I actually uh, harped on it again on uh, – I may, it may have been Sunday, but it certainly was in Gwinnett – or uh, South Carolina, rather, when the goal that was clearly not in the net was whistled as in the net, even though the goal light didn't come on. That's another argument for another day. My point is, for you having to cut video, you're, you're 
video ability and cutting ability is only as good as the video at the building. Now, we are blessed in Cincinnati to have quite a, a good crew. We have multi-cameras. We are... Uh, pretty savvy in that sense when it comes to having the right equipment to broadcast a hockey game. Places like Kalamazoo, I know for many people that watch the games there, complain about that angle. South Carolina's terrible, to be honest with you. Uh, there are places around our league that on a nightly basis, you don't have the same type of viewpoint. So unlike the NHL, even the AHL to an extent, you have that standard broadcast, so you know where things are going to be. You know you're going to be able to see the corners. You know you're going to be able to see a breakout. You not not, no, you don't always necessarily get to have that luxury. How does that change the way you edit and sometimes have the ability to change your plays? Yeah, it's some videos aren't very good. Um, ours is, I think ours is great because it's, it's not too far away. It's not too close. And you, I mean, there's a lot of videos that you want to see if guys are actually competing on pucks and if we're skating. And some videos are a little farther away that you can't really tell a whole lot <laughs> which guy is working or which guy isn't. And, yeah. Some of them, you can't even see the numbers. So um, it's tough because everybody's got a different angle. And then, you know, to, to try to come up with some good clips, sometimes you don't even show the guys clips. We just use it for ourselves to come up with a game plan against uh, Chicago the next night, say that it's not a great video, but we're learning something from it. It's hard to show the guys something because the video is pretty bad. Now, take us away from hockey for a bit. We only have a couple more minutes before we let you go and, and bring the coach back up here to, uh, to look ahead to the week. You have hockey as a hobby. You have to if you're going to be involved. You've you got to love it. You've got to be passionate for it. You've got to have you know, the interest in being around it every day, sometimes 24 hours a day like we have over the last two weeks. At times, though, it's nice maybe in the off season, once things have wound down, to do other things. I know even on the road, you would get up most mornings every morning and go for a run. And during the offseason, I know you like to stay active as well. Tell us what Andrew Castles does in his downtime as much as you have. I, I do enjoy running. Um, you know, I try to keep in shape. Uh, <laughs> gained a few pounds since I retired, so I'm trying to lose those again. <laughs> but, um, you know, I want to stay healthy, obviously. But uh, the biggest, I used to be a big golfer. I've slowly gotten away from that. And to be honest, I really enjoy spending time with my kids. Uh, they're a huge part of my life. And... Uh, you know, I have a two-year-old, a five-year-old, 15-year-old, and a 16-year-old. So it's a little bit of a different range. And I just, that's one thing that I'm, I think I'm more passionate about my family as I am hockey. But uh, it's just something I really enjoy being. I really enjoy being a dad and, you know, and a husband and trying to work on being a better father and a husband every day. Well, we thank you for being with us. You're a great assistant coach on top of all that. So we, we are glad you're with us. We thank you for spending time. Drove all the way down from Columbus to be with us tonight. And we'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning back at the arena. Thank all right. You. Thanks for having me. That's assistant coach Andrew Castles. We'll come back with a head coach, Jared Scaldi, next on the Cyclones Radio Network. This is CyclonesHockey.com. CyclonesHockey.com. Back for our final segment of the night. Just a few more minutes with the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi. Game Wednesday, along with Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Four games at home, three away for the final seven of this regular year. With the head coach of the Cyclones one last time on this show, I'm Nick Brunker. Oh, let's talk about what happened in the NHL uh, earlier this week. We were in... Oh, heck, where were we? Were we in Gwinnett? We were in Gwinnett at that point. It's all blended together at this Thursday point. Night Thursday night. Thursday night. We were... Figuring we would get a bite to eat, it was around 7.30, knowing that there is TV after TV after TV of March Madness around pretty much every bar, uh, yet our focus was not March Madness, but rather Sidney Crosby's return. 
you have an affinity for Sidney Crosby. You believe he's the best player in the world, and I know you're excited to see his comeback, weren't you? Nick, it's not a man crush. It's it's a it's the fact that he's the best player in the world. So I don't don't set it up as that it's a man crush. Nick, I, I try okay? to set it up as good as possible but for that exact reason. This guy loves Sid the kid. There's nothing better than walking to a bar and a restaurant bar in the South and saying the first games of March Madness and going, can we put the hockey game on? And they're like. <laughs> Really? I'm like, yeah, we need it right there. Crosby's playing tonight. Could you put it over there, too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. we need it there because yeah. there's guys going that way. We need it yeah. over there, too. So they accommodated us, which was great, and we got to watch Sidney Crosby play. But uh, um, Nick and I, uh, one, of our, uh, one, one of Nick's biggest mistakes he made last year. What's that? Was um, asking me one night, having a couple of beers, is that who I thought was better, Ovechkin <laughs> or Crosby? I right? will, I'm going to save myself here. That wasn't me that asked that question. I followed it up. I made it very clear that it's not even a debate Ovechkin uh-huh. Crosby so anyways we've talked about it on this show and we've uh well I've got Nick pretty much squared away now that um uh, I'll never I'll never admit Crosby's it, the best player in the I'll, world I'll never so. admit it now I guess in that light he comes back and he obviously is, is like you said the best player in the world but I mean you talk about a Pittsburgh Penguins team that that had found a way to survive without him Evgeny Malkin to to use him as an example that's a guy who as much as I dislike the Penguins and practically everything from Pittsburgh to be honest with you um it's a situation thank you even though even though your boss is from Pittsburgh Kristen Robb no 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 problem with that at all that's her problem not mine uh situation is situation is here that Malkin is among is this recorded oh yeah okay Bring it on, KP. Bring it on. Um, the, uh, the debate is now raging about who's going to win the MVP. Malkin has to win it, right? I think so. I mean, who are we talking about? We're talking about uh, Henrik Lundqvist, and uh, I don't think Steven Stamkos wins the MVP. I, yeah. I, I mean, he's had a terrific year. I think 50 goals is a special thing, and what Henrik Lundqvist has done and their record for the New York Rangers, but I, I – I believe uh, Evgeny Malkin's the uh, MVP of the National Hockey League, no question. And now Crosby back, does that make them that much better? I know he's the best player in the world, but he's still getting back into game shape. Not that he wasn't staying in shape during his time off, but it's going to take a bit perhaps for him to to really make an impact. Not that You know the interesting thing about the National Hockey League and when you got players like special people like Crosby and guys are the best is that, you know, he's their third-line centerman right now, you know, playing with Matt Cook and Tyler Kennedy. You know, and I think, and he's fine with that. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not, obviously, I'm not privy to be in their locker room, but I guarantee you that as long as Evgeny Malkin's doing what he's doing and Jordan Stahl and whatever, that you know, he's playing with Matt Cook and Tyler Kennedy, and that's fine. If they're winning hockey games, they're going to continue to win hockey games. I think he's fine with that. Let Evgeny Malkin be the top-line guy, and they, you know, that's the difference between uh, top guys and why people win championships. And, you know, when, when Steve Eiserman takes a step back uh, back in the 90s to uh, in, in, in early 2000s from getting, you know, a 100-point guy to being a 50-point guy, but, you know, letting Sergei Fedorov be the guy and stuff. So uh, it, it's just amazing. I mean, I, I, I really uh, I, I'm excited for the National Hockey League playoffs, watching Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and watching the New York Rangers, watching Detroit Red Wings. You know, you'd never count out that hockey team. And then the West is just so stacked. But uh, it's going to be a lot of fun watching uh, uh, the National Hockey League as it unfolds here. Who do you think is going to win? I think the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to win the Stanley Cup. Well, that's all the time we have on our show. Wrap things up. No, one more thing, though, before we do finish the show for real. Week of games. Not to overemphasize, not to, to make 
make it sound more daunting and more ominous than it is. It, it's a one-game-at-a-time mentality where every game is a playoff game. I know that's important, and it's been that way for a couple of weeks now, yet you've got to make sure your guys stay loose. Not too loose, but loose enough that they're going to go out and play a good hockey game. What's the message tomorrow in practice and Wednesday before the game? Well, it's, it's short-term memory. I mean, at this time of year, you need short-term memory. I mean, you can't, uh, we can't dwell on anything that's happened. We can't dwell on anything uh, uh, from early on. We're focused on having a good day at practice tomorrow, accomplishing what we need to accomplish to beat Chicago and uh, getting ready for Wednesday night. Biggest game of the year. We'll see you on the ice tomorrow in practice and see you Wednesday. Thanks, All right, for, thanks for coming, guys. That's head coach Jerry Wednesday night. I'm Nick Brunker. We'll be on the air at 7.15. Hope you have to have you in the house. 7.30 face-off. Dollar beers. See you then. Good night, everybody. Josh Burdine, Brandon Bernhardt. Woo!